Like yeah. my first Arepa was in Sweden. So it was like, I was like, this is amazing. We have to do something about it. And yeah, here we are. Welcome to the first episode of the 99 Projects podcast. I'm starting the season off by talking to three friends of mine who shared their story about starting a restaurant together. Santa Salsa is a unique and lively, almost cult Venezuelan Arepa restaurant located inside a brewery in the industrial port district of Freehamman in northeastern Stockholm. Santa Salsa was started by Michael Gonzalez and Nico Barna as a pop-up kitchen connected to the local underground music scene, serving free handheld arepas at punk gigs as a means to attract an early crowd. They had a DIY ethos and a passion for bringing authentic Venezuelan arepas to the people of Stockholm. A few years later, they were joined by Sebastian Pires, who helped take the project to the next level during the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll cover how the three partners connected, how Santa Salsa began, and how each member became involved in the project. We'll also discuss finding inspiration in New York City, intercultural communications, where they want to take the project, and also advice for people following their passion to cook and bring their food to a wider audience. Welcome to the 99 Projects podcast, a weekly show that deep dives into creative and enterprising projects. Each week we'll uncover the people and stories behind intriguing ventures and discuss the results, outcomes and lessons learned. You can find more information and sign up to our newsletter on our website, 99projectspodcast.com. Enjoy the show. Yes, hello, I'm Michael, one of the three members of Santa Salsa. I've been here in Stockholm from 2009. Yeah, that's me. I'm Nico. Um, I'm also part of this uh, amazing team called Santa Salsa. I've been in Sweden for a bit more than six years now. And uh, I'm from Chile, from the north of Chile. Hi, I'm Seb. I'm born in Sweden, but my parents are from Chile. I joined Santa Salsa quite recently. Uh, so Michael and Nico are the chefs in Santa Salsa. I am manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, you say I'm, I'm quite new to the business. It's been a ride, uh, but I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's great to work with Nico. Michael and I, we are old friends as well. And it's been just a very nice way to bond closer, I think. Yeah. And we still love each other. <laughs> Michael, you mentioned that you moved to Stockholm yeah. 12 years ago? Uh, yes, 2009. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. From, From uh, Venezuela, but before I lived in Barcelona four years. So, um, in between Barcelona and Sweden, I, it was a gap that two years that I lived in Venez- back in Venezuela, yeah. in Caracas. And then I made, together with another friend, this skate video called Santa Salsa. Yeah. That's where the name started. And, uh, and then, yeah, I moved to Sweden, and I wasn't a chef or a cook or however, making food before. I was always interested, but uh, coming to Sweden, uh, I couldn't find jobs uh, in what I was doing before, that was films. And then I just started cooking, and I fall in love with it, with the job. And then I, I kept, 
I always loved that name, Santa Salsa, and then, and then uh, yeah, here we are now. So we, that's the brief story about the name itself. Could we do a quick background with Nico and Seb as well? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, like I said before, I joined the project once uh, I met Michael working together here in Stockholm. But then uh, I've been around a bit. I moved uh, to Argentina, then I moved to the States. I live in New York for a while. Then shortly I came back to Chile, and then I decided to move to Sweden. So, you know, life, I ended up working in the same kitchen with this guy. And, and yeah, I've been also been passionate about uh, food, uh, art, and, and music, and punk rock, and salsa, and everything. So we connect straight away. And then I saw the potential of the idea, the food and flavors. They even were like stranger for me, you know, coming from the south of South America. It was like yeah. my first Arepa was in Sweden. So <laughs> it was like, I was like, this is amazing. We have to do something about it. And yeah, here we are. Yeah, cool. Here I was part of a quite ambitious project, a gaming project. There was a quiz game about rock and roll called Rock Science. So it was a a board game at first, but then we, we found some uh, major investors that, that like, connected with the music industry that wanted to uh, make this digital mm. and work with artists. And, uh, but yeah, I think we, we were too early and uh, didn't work out. And in the meantime, I always had a passion for music, so I, my first jobs in Chile after film school was filming live gigs and I made a music documentary. and. When I moved back here, I was missing all that, mm. being close to the music scene. Uh, and uh, eventually, I met uh, Michael. And uh, yeah, I tried the, the arepas. Uh, so Michael, you were Santa Salsa started out as a club night. Exactly. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like in 2014 or something. And, and you were giving away free arepas to the first people to, to arrive. And that's when I also, like Nico, had my very first arepa. Like Chilean food is very different. I was also surprise like what is this it's so new for me and then i also got like the dollar sign i just said like you have a huge opportunity here like no one is doing this uh, or at least no one is doing this in in this context like mm. uh, like more open and sharing this and downtown and i also always said like i want to be part of this but i don't have i don't have time and i don't have money mm. uh, and then Eight years after that, uh, it was the pandemic, and uh, I I still hadn't any money, but I had time. So <laughs> uh, no, but we were kind of in the same boat. I had gone to Hyper Island before that. I had completely different plans, but then the pandemic hit, and I got stuck here. And uh, uh, but we said, yeah, let's go for it. Uh, the the restaurant industry was still working, mm. and. Uh, we were doing the pop-up thing. I wanted to scale it up, and um, yeah, but it went. It worked. Yeah, we we clicked as a team because we needed the experience and Seb is fluent. Of course, he was born in Sweden. I'm not Nico either, so our Swedish is really basic. So we needed uh, a f someone that we like, and uh, we 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 get along. And plus. Uh, understand the language mm. and uh, can can do all the paperwork yeah. that it was so hard for us. So I think that was the the, the project lifted up 
and uh, start a new, a new phase. And yeah. also, if I can add, it's also the, the cultural aspect that we were lacking because we were still foreigners both, you know. Then yeah, when Seb joined, he, he understand he's from here. So that was, yeah. he could like make it work easier for, for the team, you know, like, okay, this is how we work here or might be better or, and yeah. at the same time, we can do that speaking in my mother language, which is Spanish. So yeah, yeah. it worked very well for us. Could you describe what an arepa is? Well, arepa is um, a bread made for, from a corn flour. It's, um, it's really popular in Venezuela and Colombia. Uh, other countries might have it, but that's, uh, in Venezuela, it's like you eat it every day. And um, so it's that. It's a corn flour that you, you steca, grill, uh, fry. fry. Fry, yeah. Not deep fry, but just, uh, and, and uh, yeah, pan fry, exactly. And um, you can feel it. You open it as a pita bread, more or less, mm. to put an easy example. And then you can fill it up with whatever you can imagine or you feel like. So in Venezuela, you can eat it either for breakfast, for lunch, for, um, for dinner, after party. So it's like you can feel it from eggs, um, scrambled eggs, to beef, to fish, to chicken, uh, beans. So it's really vers versatile. 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 <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that's, that's a quick... Uh, description I yeah think. so the perfect food you can have it any time of day with anything in it uh, basically yes yeah yeah and plus that it's uh, the bread itself is vegan and gluten-free so that's when I I actually as a you know foreigner from the Venezuelan culture when I try it for first time yeah. I saw so much potential because it's so like friendly <laughs> you know you, you can eat it and, and have it in many ways and Back in 2017, some friends and I organized a day-long music event in Stockholm and asked if Michael and Nico would sell arepas for the audience and crew. The arepas were a hit and sold out early on during the evening. We had chosen Santa Salsa because arepas are gluten-free and can be made vegan, vegetarian or with meat, which made it possible for pretty much everyone to find something that they could order. We are lucky about it. It's not that we plan it. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So it's like, it's... It's perfect. <laughs> I, I never thought about it being from Venezuela, like, ah, oh, it's gluten-free. Yeah. You don't have so many gluten intolerance in Venezuela, actually. Mm. Or if there is, it's not so well, um, how you say, like, yeah. Um, understood. Yeah, understood, mm. or yeah, exactly. So I never thought of it in that sense. And now that I'm Sweden, it's like a plus, like a... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We've actually going to have an event here with mm. the Swedish Celiac uh, Foundation uh, or Association. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's a national association for Celiacs, which is great. The brewery also is, has a good selection of gluten-free beers. So we, I think we are in the few places in Stockholm, if not the only one with a, that has gluten-free beer on tap. Yeah. Uh, so that's a cool thing to, to also bring forward. Like it's, and also, I think it's part of 
our intentions with this to be very inclusive, not, mm. not only through the food, but also like the, the place or the vibe or, or the, the, the people that come here. Yeah. Uh, so. What was it that made you think that the arepa could be the thing to take home? Was it this gig where you offered arepas for the people coming in early? Actually, for me, is I saw the opportunity when I was in New York before moving to Sweden. I, it's an arepa restaurant there. I never thought it could be an arepa restaurant outside Venezuela back in 2009. Yeah. Then I went to New York and this, this place, Caracas Arepa Bar, and I was like, wow, they're doing it so well, and people, it was packed. So that, that stayed in my mind, like, okay. And when I started making food in Sweden, I was like, I want to be like these guys mm. in, in Stockholm. It was, I, as I say, I didn't, I'm not an educated chef, yeah. or, so, but I learned by doing. Yeah. And then uh, it was great when I met Nico because I had a lot of ideas. And Nico, when he got to try the repas, he, came with more ideas and more techniques. So we, we worked for, with, with the arepas for years to make it as perfect as yeah. we're doing it now. Yeah. It was a long process. Yeah. But we always, I always trusted in the, on the concept. And it's a food I grew up with. Yeah. And I was so glad that, as they say, Nico and Sebe, the first time they tried, they loved it. So it's been a... Uh, on develop process uh, project so yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah so you mentioned that you were like self-taught uh, are you both self-taught chefs no, no I went to culinary school I I study and then I went to New York like looking for my you know my dream of the top chef uh, fine dining whatever and then I got so disappointed and I didn't like it and and I felt so frustrated until I came to Sweden mm -hmm. and I got to work at this restaurant called Cantina Real back in the day. Yeah. And where I met Cristina, the, the head chef, and, and she told me like, you can also cook with like passion and, and, and you know, and it's not all about like being fancy and, 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 and expensive proteins and, and you know, it's more about like what you want to deliver, what's, what's the message. Mm -hmm. So that was, perfect timing when I got to, to meet uh, Michael and the Arepa because I fell, really fell in love with food again. Yeah. And I, I realized it was another way to get there. Mm. You don't need to be like a, only a fancy top chef to do whatever you really like. So for me, that was perfect. And, and like Michael said, we've been working like in a technical aspect for so many years because we got to try different things, didn't work. Mm. And for me, that's the most fascinating part of this. Like it, it, like trying and learning new techniques and stuff is so interesting. So then taking that a step further, you started making them and you started doing it and like popping up in different places. I remember Santa Salsa had a few locations before it ended up here in the yeah. Stockholm Brewing Company. Mm -hmm. um, could you talk a little bit about that journey of like uh, going to different places, mm -hmm. setting up, doing pop-ups? I mean, if I can say when we were working together, me and Michael at Cantina Real, we were doing arepas, but we were not like Santa Salsa itself. Yeah. I mean, we had the idea and concept and everything, and we had some pop-ups. But then after that, I would say a few years after, yeah, we got to run this uh, kitchen in the Eaton's back in the days. Yeah. So we ran that 
small kitchen for almost a year. Exactly. And then yeah. we got to try a lot of stuff. That was super fun. And but it, but at some point it was always like a side project. You know what I mean? So, and then yeah, the time passed. I also went to Hyper Island here in, in Stockholm, and then yeah, at some point we decided to go like make it for real, and that's when Seb joined us. And he was like, okay, let's do this, like, you know, professionally. And, and then, then we went, like, we had some pop-ups um, for, like, um, a year, more or less. No, or no, no, less, man. You don't remember this. Don't we started, <laughs> we had the first pop-up in September, early September. Mm -hmm. No, late, late August and then early September. True. So it's, like, yeah, eight months or, like, more or less. Well, the thing is, like, we got to be in different restaurants, different audience. Mm. We got to know so much about our target audience, so it was very insightful. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we were just like moving around city and the city. And so good also like a proof of concept because we had, exactly. we could reach out to, apart from the, of course, the South American people or Latin American people that are already familiar with this, but it's, mm. we had curious people, we had foodies as well. Yeah. Uh, which were of great help also, like this uh, Instagram stuff. Mm. Uh, and it's, I don't know, and so it's a nice community. Of course, um, I, I, I was surprised. We got a lot of support. Yep. Also, this kind of a cool thing amongst mm. restaurateurs that are more established to, to find new talent and, mm. and give them a, a shot. I mm. think it's cool. It reminds me about the music industry as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nico, you mentioned Hyper Island, and Seba, you were also in Hyper Island. What was your experience, and how is that? helped your journey with Santa Salsa? We, yeah, we went the same year, different uh, Program. programs. My program was uh, digital media creative, so you get to try many different things. Uh, and I can say, I mean, the personal like level for me was very insightful, and, and I learned so much about like um, work together with different people, different backgrounds, different everything. And so in, in my head, that was like, okay, this is a tool that I can use in anything that I do for the rest of uh, my life, if I can say that. Yeah. But I never thought that I would end up having a restaurant, if I'm being honest. It was also the, the pandemic world and the context that I felt kind of forced in a good way to follow my dreams. And I was like, okay, let, let's kind of apply this, all these methods and, and tools to, yeah. to get what I want to get. Yeah. At Hyper Island, I, I did a business developer course mm. for program, as they call it. And uh, I wanted to apply everything I learned by doing during this crazy years of doing the, the gaming project. I wanted to put it into context. Yeah. And uh, I, it's a creative school. So even if it's a business course, uh, it's still very creative. And uh, of course, the, you have maybe more an emphasis on, on, on making things uh, have more of uh, a uh, value that's beyond just the, the artistic or, or creative, you know? mm. and uh, it's a lot of entrepreneurship as well. So it helped me a lot also with the project. Yeah. Apart from what the Hyperion is known for, that this teamwork or working mm. with people, you know, like the interpersonal uh, relations during a project as well. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, interesting. I, I never thought I was going to end up doing this, uh, I, 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 but it's interesting, like at Hyper Island, before you 
do your internship, you have this personal project. I don't know if mm. you have it. Yeah, yeah. And I did a list about what I wanted to do, basically. So this is a project where you are free to do whatever you want, basically, for a month or two. And then you present it. Uh, so I made a little list of different things I wanted to do, and Santa Sosa was amongst them. I was like, oh, this, this could be a case, like uh, just come up with a business plan or, mm. or something like that. Like, how could this, how could Arepas become well, more known? How can you market this? And how could you make this into a business? But uh, mm. it's fun, but I, I pick, picked something else. Uh, so it's <laughs> a bit ironic that it happened. And uh, it's interesting. I, I went to the same, at the, my class I had uh, David, who is one of the founders of Laneta. Mm. And also it's uh, ironic. He wanted to get away a bit from, from the rest restaurant thing. He's not a restaurateur either. Mm. He uh, went to marketing school. He's, a pub, uh, he's into advertising. Laneta is the very first uh, Mexican restaurant in Stockholm that's actually run by Mexicans. Mm. It, they turned 10 years. Yeah. So they, they were kind of pioneers in this thing and they also had this more urban kind of I wouldn't call them hip or maybe yeah we could have hip. casual like yeah but urban. very casual but also like like very open it's not like mm. not, it's not like a closed community mm. thing uh, on the contrary and then of course they had the, the advantage that everyone in Sweden knows what a taco is yeah but they don't know what a real taco is yeah, yeah. or didn't <laughs> but that's what they they brought uh, and I guess I, I would call them an inspiration they yes, they made absolutely. it yeah. Yeah. So now and then, me and, and David meet. He also the, the pandemic hit us hard. We were just graduating, and, and like it was very hard to, to find uh, jobs within the more digital, creative, or, or uh, uh, marketing or whatever mm. it, you would uh, connect with what we studied. And he eventually went back to Raneta. So he's uh, he's managing uh, the bar. Mm and also does some consulting within the company, uh, yeah. so for marketing and other things. So, yeah. Um, and I don't know, I always wanted to do something with food. Like I, I, I really, really love food apart from music and film, but uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've worked with kind of close to music and film before, so food was missing, but I, I, I thought I would... I had this idea of doing like an internet portal for Latin American food, uh, something like that, but... Mm -hmm. uh, and if I was going to help Santa Salsa, I also saw me like more like a consultant and like mm. managing the and, and, and creating a company together with the guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, things turn out how they turn out. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm still having fun, and there's a lot of potential to branch out as well with yeah. Santa Salsa. Like it's for us. I'm speaking for us now. Uh, Santa Salsa is not a restaurant, really. It's a brand. Mm. Uh, so the first step is having a restaurant, but then you can do a lot of things. Cool. I want to get into the future of how you see this going, but um, just to quickly touch on Lanyetta, were they like uh, mentors in any way, or like did you get their experience and they helped you like figure out how to make this work? We can also give them some credit since uh, during this pop-up time, we we kind of worked together and they we had a pop-up actually at their bar, the new bar they open. So they've been really friend like friendly and really nice to us. So yeah, I can only say good stuff about them. But uh but yeah we haven't still working together after that. I would say I don't know if like a mentorship relationship, but it I mean definitely as as Seb said before, 
for me at least was a good inspiration. You know, it was um, they started this ten years ago and still yeah. going. And so, yeah, credit for them. <laughs> yeah, coming from Caracas, that is a really big city, crowded, and Stockholm is not for me. Yeah. So I, I I always get really happy or inspired directly or uh, how you say like. Um, it can be the concept, it can be how it looks the the place, it can be the taste. It can, but when when it's when it's some uh, different food and uh, like uh, especially from Latin America, I, I I wish it was more offered here in in Stockholm. So I so Laneta it was like when I came to Sweden there were the they were about to open or something. I remember when they opened, I was like, oh, yes. So, uh, yeah, it's inspiring in different ways. Yeah, because there's quite a big South American, Central American community in Sweden, but not a lot of food. I mean, it's coming more and more. Exactly. Um, but there's a lot yeah. of Swedish versions of mm. South American, Central yeah. American food. I hope Aslaneta helped us to open our minds mm. in a... We, we can help also another sure. uh, uh, people or to, to trust in their projects and to make this city more rich. Um, we are really open we, to, to anyone. It's been people coming and asking us about uh, different things, mm. about how we run the business, and, and we are 100% open. Mm. And like, uh, uh, instead of seeing it as a competitive thing is like more like like I think if there is more play more more different Latin food in Stockholm is it, it will get just better <laughs> it sounds like you're very open to experimentation with the concept with the direction with the food other ideas and things coming into it mm. where is Santa salsa at now with that in mind where is it you want to take it like we said before, this has been a long journey, there are a lot of learning and different stages. Mm -hmm. So I think right now, I can say this is a really important stage for us. We kind of, uh, we kind of tried and now, like in a very humble way, I can say that we know a bit more how to run a, a, a restaurant after, like when we have no restrictions anymore, the, the you know, the world seems a bit more normal, mm. quotes. Yeah. Like, but um, and also after being a completely, like, whole year here, you can see how's the cycle, you know, how, how it works, how, like, the customers behave and everything. So I think it's a good time for us to, to start thinking about, okay, what, what's the next step? Mm. And like Sev mentioned before, we consider Santa Salsa as a brand. Mm. So in... You also mentioned before, like we're very open to experiment and try different things. Mm -hmm. So we have some ideas for the future, like long term. But um, yeah, I think right now we're we're so like okay, trying to to reflect like what happened here, what have you done, mm -hmm. what can we do. But for now, it's restaurant related, yeah. I could say. But there's still some other projects and dreams that we would like to to reach at some point. Mm -hmm. but, we do have. Uh, I think it's gone quite fast, though. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. we've been working so much. But uh, yeah, last year when we opened, mm. uh, I think the, um, this year is 
first it was like trying out things, no? Mm -hmm. And now then we proved the concept, we saw what works, uh, the response of, of the general public, which mm. I think has been very interesting to see. Uh, and I think we now, and we also got a really good response from like established food critics. We've been featured in magazines. Mm. Uh, I think that will be an interesting thing to do next year, marketing-wise, but also like expanding a bit uh, on doing things that are not strictly related with the restaurant, that's with serving food. Yeah. So we met quite a f now recently. We met some uh, food bloggers, but had, that have been Swedish master chefs. Mm. I think it would be really cool to to do some content together where they actually learn. Uh, to cook arepas, but also the things that they tried here, that they... Mm. The thing for me with... Uh, well, uh, having gr grown up in Sweden, but also living in Chile, which has a more... I would call it a more European cuisine, in, apart from some really, really native dishes, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, the, the Venezuelan food experience has been very interesting for me. It's, uh, it's a lot of unexpected flavor combinations, mm. and also techniques. And ingredients. And ingredients, point. plantains. Uh, so that caught their attention, mm. this, uh, this, uh, because they're chefs. Or they, yeah. So I think that will be the next step to, to also like parallel, like just to, to teach. Maybe maybe you could do a cooking book at some, at mm. some point. But, uh, but I think that's another area that we could get known. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, I'd like to do that, like just like on a side project, I guess. Uh, mm. But yeah, as Nico mentioned, there's a lot of things uh, that you could do under this umbrella, no? Uh, but yeah, we have to prioritize things, of course. Uh, yeah. It's a great story, like, starting off in small restaurants, pop-ups, to getting your own place, and then being in magazines and getting famous chefs and... Podcast. Podcast, <laughs> yeah. Um, it just seems like it's going, like, step by step and getting better and better and stronger and stronger. Do you have any advice for people who are into food and maybe thinking about starting up something like this for themselves? Um, yes, well, uh, many things, but I just something pop up now when you just were when you were talking, yeah. and I've been talking to friends who want to start their business, and I think one of the key is to find a good team. Mm. And to and to know yourself and know what are you positive size, your negative, your um, more than negative. What what are you good at and what you are not so good at, mm. and um, so then you can make a balance and say, okay, I'm lack of this, so my my I need to work with someone that is good at that. Yeah. I think a lot of people in this business, and I guess in many businesses and different areas, uh, they know what they want, but uh, they don't know how to get there, or they don't want to see mm. what they need to get there. Mm. And I think that's my advice. Find a good team and get to know what you need to get to where you want. Um, I can only agree with that. I think it's so... Yeah, it's so important to have the right people next to you when it comes to this very long uh, journey that you're going to work a lot. You're going to spend so many hours together. 
and yeah, you need to have someone that you can definitely trust in many ways. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so that's very important. Yeah. I think mentorships are quite important as well, especially if you're really, really new. I, I've never worked in, in, in the, in the in hospitality, it was a crash course, you know. Mm. So I, I did reach out to some people that I knew had been close to this industry, just asking for advice. Mm. Uh, and um, I think at least it's good to have have a balance between the dreams, but also reality. Mm. I would say uh, so. You you need to and also have ambition, you know. Mm. And uh, but. It's good that you have a plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan, yeah. and you, that you have some concrete goals. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, well, of course, you have to have a cash flow. Mm. Um, but I, at least for me, that, that was my lesson learned with the, with the rock and roll game project. Mm. It's like you can't force it. Yeah. You know, when, when like you have to, at some point, we were like really not growing at all and just wasting a bunch of money and no one was happy. It was a really, mm. really ugly times. And we should just have pulled the string. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I think it's a good idea to also have these hyper-idle moments, but having reflection time mm. and just take a break and like, how are we doing? Are we enjoying this? Are you enjoying this? Mm. Oh, you're not enjoying this, but I'm really happy. You know, like thinking with that, but also have, I don't know, having this uh, point of no return. Yeah. Um, but also having this, like, this is not going to work. Mm. Like, be honest with it. Or, mm. this is working. Yeah. So where do we go from now? But uh, I think it's, uh, it's a great risk, especially if you're, like, uh, don't have previous experience. Yeah. Uh, so it's good to be mindful of that. And also that, uh, I don't know, for people that are new to running a business, uh, you should be very proud of yourself. You can mm. have a salary. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it's good to have uh, savings, uh, and you have to be, yeah, very, I think, now I'm talking from my perspective, but you have to have, like, uh, yeah, of course, you go for it, of course. Like, you have to take the risk, like, the, mm. the, the bigger the risk, the larger the margin, they say. But yeah, I think that's good, as Michael said, you should have, if you can, if you're more into the creative part and pure creative, you should have someone that still understands you, mm. uh, but that can manage and keep things uh, in focus, or at least um, uh, yeah, having like that character as well. Mm. Put yourself out there but, and be confident. Mm. Like you have to project uh, confidence. Of course, I am very confident in the product. Yeah. But then also you have to hype things up. But yeah, just, I, I think as we have a saying in Chile uh, that is, you, you have to throw yourself into the swimming pool. Yeah. Like, uh, you just have to do it. So where can people find more information about Santa Salsa? Yeah, on the website we don't have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I think the best channel, and, I, and I'm very convinced it's the best channel for food, uh, is the, or Instagram. You will find it up there. And also come to the brewery where we are now. So you get to have good beers and you try our food and I think it's a good match. Yeah, yeah, so you guys are very welcome at Santa Salsa in Stockholm Brewing Company. Yeah. I'll go back to the kitchen now. That's Thanks, mate. I too. appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this talk with Michael, Nico and Seb from Santa Salsa. 
I hope you found it to be informative and interesting, whatever your reason for tuning in may be. Santa Salsa is located within the Stockholm Brewery Tap Room and Magazine 3 in the Freehamnen area. I encourage you to check it out if you live in or are visiting Stockholm. You can find out more at Santa Salsa Stockholm, all one word, on Facebook and Instagram. All the information and links to the bars, restaurants and companies referenced in the episode can be found in the show notes. If you're enjoying this podcast, feel free to subscribe wherever you're tuning in from. You can also leave questions or suggestions via the contact form on our website, 99projectspodcast.com. The 99 Projects podcast was produced, edited and mixed by David Richardson. Music by Charles Eason. Special thanks goes to Andrew Richardson and Maya Hyam for additional assistance.